Hello, and welcome to a talkback episode for Walk the Earth 30. I'm Greg. As I announced last week, I'm going to hopefully hit a weekly schedule this month in June of 2020 with talkback episodes, looking back to the point in time before where older episodes of Inappropriate Conversations and Walk the Earth podcasts are not readily available on streaming services like iTunes or podcasts on Apple, Spotify, other places, because I've chosen a point to begin there in the middle of 2017, and I'm just sort of maintaining that as a new starting point. Having said that, everything I've ever recorded is still available uh, at uh, inappropriateconversations.org. The RSS feed there is um, includes both episodes of Inappropriate Conversations and Walk the Earth. And, you know, nothing in the immediate uh, plans are going to change any of that. Walk the Earth episodes will begin with episode 44, and Inappropriate Conversations episodes will begin with episode 202 on the feeds. But inappropriateconversations.org has everything, including the episodes that I'm bringing forward to repost with a higher bit rate and a new introduction in podcast formats so that they will reappear for people in streaming services on uh, Spotify and elsewhere. Now, the main reason I wanted to bring some of these shows back in a somewhat organized way is that this is the month of June, and June is traditionally the month when Pride is celebrated. And last week, Proud to Know You One, as I've sort of redubbed it, is the first episode where I was actually dealing with the question in my head of, um, when and how could I participate in a pride pro- uh, in a pride event, and what would that look like? What would that sound like? And today's episode, Walk the Earth number thirty, is dealing with exactly what that sounds like. The question is whether you can ever go back to this moment in history, and it was recorded live from Pride forty eight in Las Vegas, Nevada, on August twenty eighth, two thousand fifteen. Anybody who was tuning in that afternoon could have heard it as it went down, so to speak. And the podcast was posted by me when I got back from the trip um, on September 1st of 2015. And I wasn't really expecting to do a recap of the event. To me, I was sort of a guest. It was a one-off. I was making an appearance. And it took a couple of episodes later on Inappropriate Conversations for me to decide that I probably should talk about what happened because the experience was genuinely wonderful. So the next uh, talkback show will probably be Proud to Know You too, discussing the behind-the-scenes stories and things that happened um, around this recording of Walk the Earth 30 that happened in 2015. So there will be supplementary material, I guess is the way to put it. Walk the Earth 29, as a matter of fact, was uh, dealing with the topic of, uh, you know, whether a happily married Christian should attend a Pride event with gay friends and allies. And to me, that question had become obvious that it was clearly a yes. Of course, I think is probably how I answered the question. And the reason I'm not sharing that as a talkback is that um, it's a little bit too point in time specific. I used several minutes of that particular Walk the Earth show to go through the schedule of that year's event in Las Vegas. And of course, that's not terribly relevant um, now. Historically, it might be interesting to provide that kind of context, but I think the the recap show, Proud to Know You Too, will yeah, certainly do a better job. There's another uh, talkback that I've chosen not to do out there at uh, www.inappropriateconversations.org. It can be found on the monthly menu in the right navigation bar for June 2018. That show, Inappropriate Conversations number 210, Podcast Montage, also spent a lot of time promoting upcoming events 
the uh, New Orleans Podcasting Expo 2018. That was the year after a three-year hiatus when the live Podcasting Expo came back, moving, at least for now, from Las Vegas to New Orleans, and also promoting the upcoming June 2018 live streaming weekend with, I'm assuming if I remember right, probably some talk about the schedules. Now, there is some benefit. It's not just a uh, a point-in-time specific show, podcast montage. It has uh, past clips from my appearances on other shows like the Tech Support Rich show, uh, Books You Should Read, uh, Conversations in and Around Greetings from Nowhere. There's uh, material, I guess, I, the way I would put it, there's material there that is um, relevant to the perspective of kind of stirring up a podcast stew of sorts. But I'm also not going to share it because it's dealing with dates in the past, dates from 2018, and I want to do something similar this year with the introduction to Walk the Earth 30 in terms of talking about some of the dates and information related to the 2020 events. So uh, leaving out episodes that were too specific to past years like 2018 and 2015, um, is probably going to make it easier for me to cast a focus on 2020. And to me, the place to start is the New Orleans Podcast Expo page at pride48.com, because that's probably where the news is the biggest and the most dramatic this year. I'll simply share what's on the page. may not be news for a lot of the people who listen to Inappropriate Conversations and have heard me do live performances two years in a row now from New Orleans, but this year that's not going to happen. And here's part of the reason why. Due to the COVID-19 stay-at-home orders and the various health and economic concerns around it, we've made the difficult decision to cancel the in-person event this year. However, we will still have a virtual event on those same dates, so mark your calendars and prepare for a really fun time. These suits are coming up with some fun stuff, and it will be a virtual event you won't want to miss. The dates for this now virtual event are Friday, August 28th through Sunday, August 30th, and the page at pride48.com slash New Orleans Expo is a place to catch up on updates as they evolve throughout the summer. So there will be a uh, quote-unquote New Orleans event this year, but it will be purely virtual and not in New Orleans. In other words, the fact that Pride48 does two events per year, one uh, streaming and one in person, has not really changed. Now one is streaming, and one is going to be this new sort of reality for us where a lot of in-person meetings, whether they be, uh, for me, uh, worship services on a Sunday, gathering with a congregation over a Google Hangouts or a Microsoft Teams kind of situation, or whether um, it be work through a Zoom meeting or something along those lines, the New Orleans event is going to be replaced with something somewhat similar to that. And I know Pride 48 will succeed at this because they've done a couple of Pride 48 Saturday night cocktail parties that have worked using that same kind of an approach. I wanted to look at the New Orleans piece first because it has the uncertainty. It has the point where that question looming, I think, maybe all year long for a lot of us or a lot of this year was, can we really get together and gather the way we usually do? And what sense does it make to get together if you have to be six feet apart from everybody to be responsible when what those events really are about or a lot of you know literal and metaphorical shaking of hands, hugs, pats on the back, that sort of thing. I mean, it's a... a it's an opportunity to reach out and touch somebody and say, you are real, you are here, I've heard your voice, but in some ways, I'm turning that voice on a podcast into a manifest reality before me, and there's something magical about that that I don't think I have the words to describe. And I will, I will miss it this year. The one thing that isn't changed, either in terms of the traditional schedule or the experience, 
is the Pride 48 June live streaming event. That's pride48.com June live streaming. And for there, the dates have stayed pretty stable from where they were originally set early in the year. Uh, at least in theory, this should be unaffected by the COVID-19 outbreak, shelter and home orders, and other sort of concerns. The dates this year are Friday, June 26th to Sunday, June 28th. There is a uh, ongoing registration at the time I record this. That clock is ticking and the window is closing. By call it Friday, June 12th, it will be... Um, too late, or at least by Saturday morning the 13th, it'll be too late to register your show for that event, which also means that it's too early to have a solid schedule in place. And if this is maybe feeling like there, I, I wish I would have had a schedule to share in this show, that's fair. But I think we have to be a little bit patient on the impact and the uncertainty to schedules that the coronavirus situation has created for people, not just in their work life, but also in their personal lives. This will all come together very soon. And maybe the next time I record a, uh, a talkback episode, I'll have some more details in terms of specifics around shows and times for the June weekend, uh, June 26th through June 28th. Historically, it's been a Friday night after work starting point, 5.30 p.m. Eastern, 6.30 p.m. Eastern, somewhere in there, all the way to a final show starting at either 6 or 7 p.m. on Sunday night and not necessarily ending right as the clock strikes at the beginning of the next hour. That's what we probably should expect. So uh, Pride 48, in their effort to observe, celebrate Pride, has a couple of events, one in June, one in August, and that is consistent with years past, despite the fact that in the year 2020, nothing is consistent with years past, not even remotely. So let me set the stage just a little bit for Walk the Earth 30, as I transfer from introductory material trying to shine a focus on very specific Pride events to looking back to 2015 and a very nervous Greg, uh, relieved to be in a 30-minute time slot, not a full hour, going with a solo show and choosing to do it Walk the Earth style instead of Inappropriate Conversations style. It didn't take me long from realizing that I was going to be welcome to participate and that there was an even on some degree, a certain eagerness for me to participate. And my thought was, well, my very first year here, I'm kind of here to try to be a good ally. I don't really necessarily want to uh, take any spotlight onto myself. My mental perspective during the uh, weekend in 2015 was this is not about me. And that I recognized that it would be wrong for me to not speak and not participate in that sort of deference, that you can go ditch to ditch here and make a mistake in that direction. But all the same, it was still really important to understand that it was not going to be about me. But it kind of was made clear to me from uh, friends who are part of Pride 48 that I needed to participate. Otherwise, that might in some ways be a miss on my part just as badly as, as uh, coming in with any sort of expectation. So a 30-minute show seemed like the right amount of time. Walk the Earth is the right, uh, of the two podcasts I record, the right one to fit into a 30-minute sort of format. I didn't have to worry about balancing time between topic and different drummer, for example. I could just focus in on one thing. And once I made that commitment, it became really clear to me that what I wanted to talk about was one of my favorite quotes from one of my favorite movies, You Can Never Come Back to This Moment in History, because in some ways it was speaking to me that I had an opportunity to participate in a way that I never would have expected before. And if you pass it up, 
if you're uh, either too cowardly to participate or too, I'm going to say, inappropriately deferential to participate, if you don't find that right balance, then you'll regret it forever and you'll never be able to go back to that time and say, well, what if I done it this way instead? That my mantra, which anybody who's listened to a lot of both of these podcasts has heard numerous times before, is that it's far better to say something that should not be said than not to say something that should be said. Not that I think we should be pushy and impose our will on people and be mouthing off all the time, but if I say something that I'm afraid might not be received well, I can apologize for saying it in a way that's a little bit different than if you keep your mouth shut and you don't speak when you should and you don't speak up on people's behalf when you should. It's really hard to go back later and say, well, here's what I wanted to say or here's what I should have said. When somebody's being attacked or marginalized or uh, hurt in some way, the silence, it's not very, it's not very easy and maybe not very good for want of a better word to try to apologize for your silence later. So, The topic seemed obvious to me. You can never come back to this moment in history. And with the help of friends, I felt like I had plenty of material. And whether that was successful or not, I'll let the podcast posting of Walk the Earth 30 speak for me. But the last thing I want to do by way of introduction is to share something that I just saw today. And it's dealing with the current 2020 issues of protests against police brutality and how as a non-black person to provide the right kind of support for a movement like Black Lives Matter. Um, what What's the right way? It's actually called How to Be a White or Non-Black Ally at a Rally. And I like the fact that all you have to do to turn the word ally into rally is put an R in front of it. That's That was caught my eye, at least visually. But I'm also thinking in terms of what this advice is today and how this advice applies today in terms of being there and standing up with and for people, but also not not doing things that draw either attention to ourselves or ramp up the temperature in an inappropriate direction, that there's a balance to be struck. And it kind of seems relevant to this topic because the podcast that I shared last week was me deciding I needed to be far more intentional about being an ally. And the podcast I'm sharing this week is a talk back to the moment that that actually occurred publicly. Here's the post that I shared just today as I'm recording at Inappropriate Conversations Facebook page. Today is June the 5th if you wanted to look back and find it. Here's the guidelines. Amplify black voices, don't lead chants. Make space for black folks to lead chants. Don't post photos, videos, um, don't give protesters' faces publicity. They face repercussions if they are identified, so blur faces and only document encounters with law enforcement that way. Be a physical barrier. Use your body and your privilege to create distance between you and black people and the police. The police are less likely to harm you. Do not provoke or antagonize the police. Black folks will face much harsher retaliation than you from police. Don't police or tone down black protesters. Don't be the ones who tell people who are angry and uh, hurting and mourning how they should do that. If someone is getting arrested, ask for their name and birth date. Share this information with organizers so that they can be bailed out. Uh, Stay on message. Don't use a Black Lives Matter protest to push another agenda or cause. And then donate to massbailout.org. I've participated in the past with organizations like the Bronx Defenders, dealing with issues of people who are 
placed in situations where making bail is impossible for them. So while being arrested and jailed on suspicion of a crime, or even simply as a person of interest to a crime, um, and worth noting, innocent until proven guilty, many of these people are ultimately discharged with charges drops, no charges made. They either weren't the right person, mistaken identity, or there was never enough evidence to support jailing them in the first place that a conviction would have been impossible to obtain. But if you take somebody out of their life, put them in jail, and set bail at a rate that they cannot make, you've essentially imprisoned them before they've been tried and convicted. Because if they cannot get themselves out of jail through some sort of bail arrangement, they're very likely to lose their job and face other serious consequences. Imagine being falsely accused of a crime you didn't commit, with bail set at an amount you couldn't pay, and then all of a sudden, because of, in this case, uh, Black Lives Matter, your willingness to speak up and being caught up in the midst of other factors beyond your control and being arrested for being a participant in something you didn't really do, even in a situation where you committed a crime and, and were guilty of a crime for which you were arrested, most of us don't stop and think that for a lot of people, that simple act of being arrested without the ability to manage bail is going to cost you your job, your home, perhaps other forms of livelihood. It's a little bit of a draconian sentence, even if no charges actually turn in to your day in court. I just thought it was interesting that these notes on how to be an ally at a rally, speaking this year specifically to how can white people support or non-black people support the Black Lives Movement protests, um, that to me was an interesting parallel to what is the right way for me to be part of the Pride 48 community, especially the first time as a complete stranger, without making it in any way about me, because you know I don't necessarily, I'm, again, more ally than participant, I guess would be the way to word that. I will just say that the experience in Las Vegas 2015 uh, was incredibly uh, impactful. It was moving to me. I'm told by other people that it was moving to them. I obviously am probably not your typical podcast on Pride 48 in terms of uh, the tone and the topics and the focus. It, it's not a gay or straight thing either. It's my degree of seriousness and how, uh, how firmly I lean into topics. I'm not um, light, I guess. And I was always a little bit worried about, well, is, is the, uh, the non-lightness of my tone going to be an issue, even if the message is good and solid and on point and well-received? Not a problem. Uh, today, I'll share Walk the Year 30. Next week, I'll cover my perspective and the perspective of some other people in a clip show that will deal with the aftermath, looking back at the event. Proud to know you one was last week. Proud to know you too next week. And this week, let's talk about whether you can ever come back to any specific moment in history. Thanks for listening. Whether you can ever come back to this moment in history. That's what I've been sitting here contemplating. First, I'm going to deliver this case to Marcellus. Then, 
basically I'm just gonna walk the earth. What you mean walk the earth? You know, like Kane in Kung Fu. Walk from place to place, meet people, get in adventures. And how long do you intend to walk the earth? Till God puts me where he wants me to be. And what if you don't do that? If it takes forever, then I'll walk forever. Well, I feel like I've got a few questions to answer since I am new. This is my first time at Pride 48. Thank you, and my first time on the network outside of the chat room, which I can't see, but I would love to acknowledge. It's been an awesome group so far this morning. Um, Those questions are obvious. What is Walk the Earth? But to answer that question, I probably need to answer what is inappropriate conversations, because that's who Greg is. And when you hear people on other podcasts refer to IC underscore Greg, that's that's me. That's the Inappropriate Conversations podcast. The uh, Inappropriate Conversations was built around the idea of saying we're not served very well, in in America in particular. When people take politics and religion and enforce some sort of separation against them, like they cannot be forced to reconcile. And that reconciliation is not easy, but it's too lazy, and we miss too many opportunities. When we take a pass and refuse to force these things to live up to their own expectations and kind of force people back to reconciliation. And that's kind of what this show is going to be about today, because I'm going to share some words from a friend of mine who has come to terms with her own personal journey and her own sort of reconciliation of where she stands with her spirituality. And it probably connects with the concept of pride better than anything that I could share from my own personal experience. Uh, Walk the Earth was born from me realizing that I wasn't going to be able to talk about leaving the church that my wife and I and our kids had attended for 15 years uh, on inappropriate conversations, and there was probably no way I was going to not be able to talk about it. We left a church that had many problems, so I won't go into it. But when I left and realized we were going to have to go through this process of finding another church home as a Christian, that's what you do. You leave, you go find another church home. It wasn't going to feel like anyone I've done before. I wasn't just going to go to the the nearest church down the street from my same denomination or anything like that. And a friend of mine at work said, well, it's like Pulp Fiction. You're just going to walk the earth. I thought, that's it. And so we visited a ton of churches and we talked about it. And over the course of doing that, it raised questions for me. And among the questions, which I answered for the first time about a year ago, is am I going to pick a denomination that has any problem with gay and lesbian membership? And the answer was a resounding no. Not a litmus test. I don't really believe in that, but... To me, those doors have to be open, and they have to be open fully and completely. Uh, Yeah. My family had a church where they decided to open those doors, but not to reading scripture, not to sharing a witness, not to singing in the choir. And that, in many ways, is more ridiculous than having your doors shut. There's a greater degree of dishonesty there. So it's not that there was no good in that church, though. The church we left behind, we played a really interesting role. And for me, the example I'll use today is being a Sunday school teacher. We were always very sensitive to what happens to people who are active in a youth group in a church and participating and then graduate. And for most people who have attended churches, you've seen this pattern. Uh, They go off to college, they never come back. But the pattern that I was seeing was even if they didn't go to college, even if they stayed in town, they still never came back because they were too old for the youth group and they were too young, I guess, for most of the adult classes. Nobody made a home for them. And part of the reason that for year after year after year, my wife and I refused to participate in any way in part of the youth program is that I didn't want to be part of a program where I couldn't answer people's questions honestly. If somebody who was a sophomore in high school came up to me and asked questions about their sexuality and what the Bible really said and whether it was okay, I was going to have my hands tied on what I could tell a 15 or 16-year-old. But you get me into that 19, 20 and up group, I can tell people the truth, which is what I like to do. 
So the person I want to share the words of today is named Jen. And she lives in Ohio and found herself about five years ago in a very serious relationship with a woman. Caught her by surprise. I'll let her tell the story here in a minute. And she decided she wanted to go through a commitment ceremony, that their, their relationship had grown to the point where they wanted to commit their lives to each other. But in the state of Ohio, you could only go so far. I think most people, especially in this room, realize that what the Supreme Court recently did at the very end of June has a lot to do with the state of Ohio. There was a barrier there that the Supreme Court let down. The Supreme Court corrected a mistake, in my opinion, and they did so directly for the state of Ohio. So Jen reacted to that in a way that was incredibly emotional. And for somebody who had kept her private life so private for all those years, really opened up about it. And I immediately asked her, I said, hey, these are some powerful words. I know people who need to hear them. Can I share them? And and Jen said yes. So for the next few minutes, what I'm going to share are her words about her relationship. And I promise I will get back to the answer to the question on the other side of whether you can ever come back to this moment in history. So I'm just going to say this is very long. I warned you, Jen said. Firstly, I want to thank and honor all of you who have given your blood, sweat, and tears, and for some, their lives for this. We would not be here if it it weren't for you, and deeply, I thank you. Yet, I realize that there are some out there who are very upset, disturbed, and saddened over the recent ruling from the Supreme Court of the United States. I want to say, I get it. I really do. I was with you once upon a time. I felt that my religious convictions led me to an understanding that marriage was, as we know it today, only was by God's design to be between a man and a woman. I felt that was totally unnatural and completely morally wrong to do anything otherwise, I admit. And those of you who knew me, have known me my whole life, I was quite a zealot back in the day. I was pretty hard line. And so for people to say to me now that I'm not seeing their side is completely false, I was on your side. I argued it heavily. Then I got to a point where I could understand where it would be more comfortable to be with the same sex. But I still did not agree at all that it was by God's design. My religion taught me that. But as you go through life, you grow and you learn. And sometimes you have people in your life who gently point you, point out some things to you that you may not have thought of before. I had no idea what I was really saying back then. I had no clue at all what it really meant. I knew people who were gay, and they were a bit of a novel to me to be growing up in my small town. I loved them, but I didn't agree. It was a novelty. And then one day, a dear friend's mother and I had a very, very long talk about the whole issue. She pointed out things to me that I'd never even considered before. She, was, she pretty much gave me a taste of my own Bible-beating medicine, but in a totally and completely loving way something I hadn't quite learned yet called tact. From then on, I really started questioning and researching and asking people and talking with people and not just accepting what I had been told, but really digging into my own life and the lives of those around me and searching my own soul. I wasn't sure about the whole thing, but I started seeing people as people and love as, well, love. And just because I didn't care for it in particular, that didn't mean they were scary or bad people, and I didn't really have a right to say whether or not they can love whom they love. So somewhere in this time, I had written out a list and sent it out to the universe, to God, to bring into my life a person with certain, certain attributes, 
things that were really important to me. I did this as part of a book I was reading about being a single Christian. Irony. And then I met Kathy. Now, this was out of left field for me. I had no idea I could even like another woman, let alone fall in love with one. Before I even knew it, my friends and family members had their eyebrows raised in wonder. And one day, I realized that I had completely fallen in love with a woman. Some say that God does not condone, condone this sort of behavior. I was one of those people. Well, let me tell you how I see it now. Not only do I believe that God has perfectly created this woman for me, I believe God placed her directly in my path. And do you know what? She just so happened to embody the entire laundry list of what a suitable godly mate would look like that I'd made so long before. Every last word. My best friend pointed this out to me that I'd never even asked God for a gender. I was looking for the important things. Same beliefs, same interests, likes me for me. And now, before I start hearing, oh, but you're being deceived by the devil. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we both struggled through that one together, being that we both came from very religious backgrounds. Let me tell you this. I have grown more as a person, and most importantly, more in my faith and spirituality, and I've drawn closer to God in the time that I have known Kathy than at any point in my life previously. Why on earth would a devil want that to happen? Um, why would a devil want to put me in the path of someone who would challenge me to pray more, to be closer to God, to dig deeper into the Bible, and to learn about my own self and my own spirituality? That seems pretty counterproductive to me. And one of the things that I learned is that Love and commitment are so not what I thought. It is so much deeper, amazing, and at times, downright freaking harder than I had ever imagined. And I know what people are saying. Well, why use the word marriage? Why take a Christian-sanctioned word and change it? Well, I challenge you to look deeply into the history of that word. I challenge you to, uh, you know, to look at what the, what the idea has meant over the years and throughout the world, because I sure was surprised. It has evolved over time, influenced by culture, religion, and the force of power. It has been used and abused in many ways. But when we get down to brass tacks, I think we all know that what this particular word means today, here, now, is about the basic rights of two people who love each other and want to be afforded the same things their male-female counterparts are afforded. Good and bad. It isn't the final step. We have so much further to go. I would like to see a time when I don't have to be nervous about who knows what in a job situation for fear of being fired. I already know what it feels like to have people in that awkward uncomfortableness at work when I overhear very demeaning things said about people like me. I know how it feels to have people pity me because I was such a nice girl. I hope that hasn't changed. I already know what it feels like to wonder if we were going to make it out of a restaurant in a rural town in a different state without being harmed. I've lost friends. I've lost respect. I've been strained in relations because, some, because I'm not equal in the eyes of some people. But I'm lucky there are many throughout time and to this very day who have been beaten, killed, discriminated against, and some have even taken their lives 
Just because, just because they happen to be attracted to the same sex. So yeah, I'm pretty damn lucky that I've only endured a fraction of what others have. And so I will keep moving forward until we all can be so lucky. So if you don't want to be a friend of mine, fine. If you think that I or we are still trying to push some sort of political agenda, fine. I am not here to change your mind. We are all on our own journey. I had to come here on my own with the help of some loving friends and the help of an ever-loving creator God who nudges me every damn day to act in love. I'm here to share my own view on this whole thing from where I stand because, frankly, I am quite tired of seeing the hatred. I'm tired of seeing the subtle, subversive ways that people are covering their distaste. And I'm tired of the words I am hearing, words that I used to say to people, just like me, once upon a time. There aren't sides, folks. We are all human beings. We're all been given this thing called life together on this planet we call Earth. And I, for one, am for love. I was created in love. And I want to be a beacon of love, for it is the most powerful thing on Earth. Jen. As people who listen to the show know, I, I'm having a hard time reading Jen's words without putting my feet in her shoes, and it isn't a Donna Sugar's kind of a comfortable fit. It's a struggle for me. Um, but uh, So I reached out to Jen, and I just wanted to make sure that she was comfortable, that I might be in a setting like this, or online on my own personal page, sort of sharing what she had to say. And, and uh, not only did I get the green light, I, I got a, a surprisingly good response, I would say. Because when Jen talks about being a bit of a zealot back in the day, she's not kidding. Uh, this Sunday school class I taught, I called it unscripted. So if you've got a, a mental image of Sunday school where there's either a Bible study or a book and people are following on, we ripped up the pages of that idea and marched on our own beat. My wife and I and another couple that we were close to led this thing, and we, would, we covered world religions, and not from the perspective of how do you evangelize and convert them, but simply how do you understand what other people think and what their, their faith and their creeds are. And I had people leave the class over it. The, I, wasn't, uh, I, wasn't, I wasn't fighting the good fight for the Christian army or whatever. And we covered heresies throughout history and kind of made sure that people understood kind of what the church is, where the church has screwed up and where they've had to course correct and get it right. It lost people over it. And, and when we hit the book of Revelations, we lost Jen for a while. She wanted no part of, of me uh, offering an idea about revelations that's different or inconsistent with what she'd already always believed. So it was funny. We lost the younger kids quicker than we lost the older people because this classroom was an interesting mix of 19 to 20 to 21 all the way up to people in their 60s because it turned out that if somebody was going to sit in a classroom and answer honest questions about the most difficult challenges that the world's facing, that the church faces and fumbles on a regular basis, that a lot of those older folks wanted to hear that too. That maybe in 50 years, no one had ever answered their questions about the problem of pain or evil or, you know, what do we mean by hell or all that other sort of stuff, uh, things that pastors tend to gloss over. And one of the people who attended that church, on, uh, that classroom on a regular basis was Jen's mom. Because her family, five plus years ago, was facing a real crisis. Jen and Kathy were going to do a commitment ceremony. It's all that all the state of Ohio would allow them to do at the time. They could not be married, but they still wanted to have the ceremony. And in my mind, you think about it, 
a young woman who has this opportunity, whether she's marrying a man or marrying a woman, probably has certain mythological concepts in her head, being walked down an aisle, having her parents there and her partner's parents there, and uh, having parents give them to each other, all that sort of thing that you think of in terms of, of wedding mythology. And Jen was in danger of losing that because her father was afraid to participate. Now, I'm being generous. Somebody who looked at this from the outside objectively might say that her father was threatening to reject her over her life choices. But I know the man well enough to say that it really was just being afraid to participate. He didn't attend my classroom. He never had a chance to ask me if he could go to hell because he went to his daughter's wedding. And I didn't get a chance to tell him, you don't have to worry about this. But his mother, her mother was in the class, and at one point she pulled me and my wife aside and said, hey, this is, this is going to be bad. Can you say something? You know, can you say something to Jen's dad? And I thought, well, you know, obviously I can. I mean, it's kind of who I am. Um, I, can say things, I can say things to people. Um, I told uh, my friends at work, I said, that don't worry, there's no amount of money I could possibly win in Las Vegas that would stop me from coming back to work on Tuesday morning. I will be there. <laughs> You know, and he looked at me, I said, I'm serious. You know, a million, 10 million, 20 million, I will be there. I may start telling people more truth than they want to hear, but I will be there. But the conversation with Jen's dad was particularly tricky because um, for me, the way I would normally share it is my own personal experience. And my own personal experience is that I feel I've heard an answer to prayer. And it sounds kind of paranormal and supernatural. I'm not going to share the story here. Inappropriate Conversations talks about it in past episodes. Number 79 and 80 probably does the best job. But what I heard was that I needed to stop being afraid to speak. I needed to share words like this. Uh, And the message was, it's far better to say something that should not be said than not to say something that should be said. That... If you, if you don't say the right thing at the right time because you spoke clumsily and foolishly and used the wrong words, you got a shot at apologizing. But if you don't speak up and say anything at all, if you're one more person in the crowd making that other person feel like you agree with them because your silence is a validation, it is very hard to go back and fix that if something tragic happens as a result. But I couldn't share those words with Gary, with Gary because I didn't want him to raise his hand and say he's going to say something that shouldn't be said in the middle of this ceremony. So at the same time convincing him that he had a role to play and he needed to participate, I also was going to encourage him to be quiet and just take in the moment. So what I did instead was address the answer to today's question, whether you can ever come back to this moment in history. And to me, the definitive answer to that question comes from my favorite movie, I'll be very surprised if it's a movie that other people in the room have seen. Now, favorite movie. I can't name one. Um, But my favorite, say, so serious Oscar-nominated type movie is the 1981 film Reds. I've seen it more times than I can count. I'd watch it again tomorrow, except I'm busy. I got other plans. I got a lot of podcasts to to watch live. But there's a moment where a character named uh, Gregory Zinoviev has a conversation with the principal title character, John Reed. Now, John Reed has already gone to Russia and chronicled the revolution and written his book, Ten Days That Shook the World, and published it and been phenomenally successful. And in the semi, semi-fictional version of the, of the film, he's gone back to Russia to see this new thing form. And in Reagan's America 1981, it was very important that John Reed see the folly of his ways and see that this Russian thing was never going to turn, the USSR was never going to work. 
And when he has that moment, he decides he's going to leave. But this character, Zinoviev, played by Jerzy Kosinski, he's a very good actor and also a very good writer. He, he wrote the uh, novel and screenplay for the Peter Sellers uh, story being there. So he's got that kind of delivery. He's, he, there's a, there's a, a sincerity about him that's sort of underneath the surface. And he pulls John Reed aside, and he says, you know, you can always return to your personal responsibilities, but you can never come back to, to this moment in history. You can never come back to this moment, sorry, to this moment in history. And that's what I told Jen's dad. Now, I have neither the time nor the information to tell you the rest of the story. I don't know how well that ceremony went. Uh, we were uh, not part of the invited list, and that was fine. And I don't expect to get an invitation to the wedding. But I think there's going to be a wedding. And if this question comes up again, I'll give the answer even more forcefully. You can never come back to this moment in history. How do you apologize to your daughter and her wife 10 years from now when you finally wake up and you finally learn what the rest of us learned so long ago? I believe that the church is going to have a real radical moment here in the next few years. And a lot of the pastors who've spoken the most politically angrily are just going to, we're just going to have to ignore them. But there's other oh, we're coming out of the closet, yeah. <laughs> but there are others who I believe are going to be suddenly having this moment of awakening where they're going to say, hey, you know, we were championing this thing all along. We were there at the moment that the, uh, the world took a turn and recognized that equality meant equality. And I think I'm going to have a hard time smiling and nodding through that. I'm going to have a hard time not playing the tape and reminding them how wrong they were. But um, I'll cross that moment in history when I get there. For me, the main thing was getting to this moment in history and realizing that I simply had to be here. And if I was going to be invited to share a little bit from Big Fatty and from others, that this was the story that I had to tell. So next on Walk the Earth, something I usually do after we play the theme music, but this time I'm going to do it before, just because I feel like I'm probably speaking to, in some cases, an audience that has never heard me speak before. And he caught me at a really interesting moment. But next on Walk the Earth, the pre-planned question for September is whether pagan influences or appropriation is an issue in secular or even religious holidays. Thanks for listening. Good news is I have time. So, questions. Yeah, I, I, I am not opposed to answering questions. Uh, one of the thoughts I've got is whether or not I could do inappropriate conversations as a show in the future, and that's an hour long, still in audio blog format. It wouldn't work. I would have to have questions. I'm very open to questions. I'm also open to sharing a little bit about what Jen shared with me when I wrote to her on Facebook and asked her permission. But Taffy's here. Hey there. Hey. There are few people in the world that I could listen to read a phone book. Or you just want to listen to every word they say, you probably should have been a preacher on the world stage because I could have sat there and listened to you just literally read off anything you wanted to and just been like, so well done on your first birth into Pride 48. Well done. Oh, thank you. I, I do not do this live, and I'm, I was aided greatly by the fact that that Jen provided a heck of a lot of the words. Uh, yeah. Somebody asked me, a friend in Toronto, host of the Nerd Hurdles podcast, asked me once uh, when we were to meet up, he asked, do you write it all out? 
And I wrote a heck of a lot more this time than normal because Jen did it for me. But normally I don't write it all out. But occasionally there's things that simply have to be read to get them, to get them right. And, and you know, this was one of those moments where I, I can't speak for her. And again, um, I think from a Pride 48 perspective, we would love to see more people visiting and attending and participating in podcasting who are speaking from a distinctly lesbian perspective. That would be a big win, would it not? Yes. So um, I wrote Jen, and Jen said, hey, thank you for your kind words and, and really for all that you do. I never did get a chance to thank you for standing up and speaking your mind one day long ago while we were at the church we both left behind. Secretly, I was going, yes, yes, thank you, but only in my head. And yes, I probably waited too long to leave that church as well. Uh, but life moves as it does, and we may never know when the, why the timing is the way the timing is. But I'm thankful to know you and proud to know someone who's not afraid to speak up about what we strive to be and, and try as we will to follow the teachings of Jesus. Even if it's in another format, I don't necessarily prescribe to the organized church as I had before, but I do try to follow the example that Jesus brought to us. Leaving Jen's comments for a second, I'm not the least bit surprised that so many people have left the organized church as we know it. Um, there are very few groups that I participate in who make a point of letting me know that, that, I, that they don't want me there and I don't belong. Let's do the math. And if I were part of a church that let anyone in this room know that they didn't want them there and they didn't belong, then well, let's just put it this way. Two or three of us aren't going to be gathering in Jesus' name that day because I'm going to go with the people who have been asked to leave. So uh, Jen said, I'm so very happy for your work and having an entire outlet dedicated to pointing out some very needed ideas and food for thought about Christians and the church as a whole. I always smile when I come across your headlines on my news feed. She also took the time to thank uh, Cheryl for the role that she plays. Uh, you know, her, she was closer in age to our kids than she is to me. So you had that interesting thing where part of being willing to reach out to that 20-something group when I was pushing 40 is that at some point you look around and you realize, wow, these, these people are like three years older than, than my daughter and maybe five or six years older than my son. It's weird to have that kind of a good relationship you know, as it stands. But I also took a lot of comfort in the fact that people like her parents were also sitting in there as well. To let you know how weird that classroom was, one of the things we did for three weeks in a row, I believe, was watch the movie Saved together. So you got this classroom in church where in 25-minute chunks we're watching parts of the movie saved and talking about it. And I mean uncut, unscripted. The worst thing that was going to happen is somebody in the church was going to ask me to stop being a teacher. And I was going to say, thank you. <laughs> One more hour I can walk my own walk on the earth and not be trying to shepherd another group of people who, um, you know, what a strange group of people that it was. So... The, uh, the other thing that I will share here, then, is that you know, two years ago on Inappropriate Conversations, I recorded podcast number 128, Proud to Know You, and put that out as a manifesto to say there is going to be a Pride 48 event live in Las Vegas that I am going to attend. And I always joke that my friends tell me that I'm not just a planner. What I do for a living qualifies as being a planner. I'm really more of a plotter. I, I have a longer play than that. Uh, it seems like it took two full years to get to this point. But what I was wrestling with that whole time was this notion of I can't say that I'm comfortable walking in both circles, still being active in the church, attending every Sunday, and still being actively participating in groups like Pride 48 and on simplysyndicated.com um, if I don't darken this doorway too. What does it mean if I go to church on Sunday but wouldn't come here? Are you really walking in both circles? 
if you're not rubbing elbows or exchanging hugs, I, by the way, am not the one that Vera was talking about earlier, but uh, <laughs> so, but it, it, you've got to be there for it to mean something. It's got to be genuine, it's got to be real, and it's got to be authentic. And I hope to bring that topic up in an interstitial later on in the weekend. Are we good? What happened this morning, man, I agree, it was peculiar. But water and wine are all shapes and sizes. You shouldn't talk to me that way, man. If my answers frighten you, then something you should cease asking scary questions. This show is part of the Pride 48 Network. Find more shows over at pride48.com.